This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Religion and God and having faith, it, it's a nice idea. It might f- make you feel better, but it doesn't really fit with the problems and the challenges that we have in the real world in the 21st century. But the book that we're talking about in this series, Wisdom, the book of Proverbs, it challenges that idea. It actually looks at it head on. And actually what we find in Proverbs is advice, is these maxims, these axioms, these short statements that are thoroughly practical. They actually talk about things like family and raising your kids and your marriage and your business and your employees, and your boss, and your future, and how we interact, and how we live in community. And it actually talks about some actually really pretty everyday, real dirty kind of things. And it gives us this idea that actually our Sunday has to affect our Monday. That we can't just kind of think like we've come to some event and we've ticked some sort of box or we've done something. But actually our Sunday has to affect our Monday. That's what Sunday should be all about. It should actually be all about setting you up for the rest of the week. God rested because he'd worked. And we rest to work. We're refreshed, we're refocused, we're energized, we're reorientated. And that's what Proverbs does for us. And we find in Proverbs that we read things. When we maybe think about the Scripture as maybe being something which is a bit irrelevant. I mean, this book was written a few thousand years ago, the book of Proverbs. But we begin to read these Proverbs and we begin to say, wait a minute, that Sounds a bit like my story. That sounds a bit like my experience. The things that are happening to me, you you might be a young person, a teenager. uh, There's things written specifically to teenagers in the book of Proverbs. You you might be facing some, some challenges in your family. You might not know where to go with your business. You might be struggling relating to people at work. And you begin to read the Proverbs and you begin to say, this looks a bit... Like my life. This, this seems to fit. This actually seems to mean that actually what I do every day and the decisions that I make, they can actually be affected by what God thinks about them. By some wisdom. And sometimes we are in the position where things aren't as black and white as we would like them to be. I mean, sometimes the decision is an easy decision. It, 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 it's not a difficult decision to make. But sometimes, I mean, if you're a footballer and you're offered to sign for Burnley or Blackburn Rovers, it's an easy decision. It's a black and white kind of decision. But sometimes... It, it's it's kind of it, it, there's a there's a difficult decision there's a there, there's a gray area you, you you're not sure where to go with it but what we find in proverbs is we find these points of orientation we find these landmarks we find these concepts that actually help us when it comes to all the other ideas it's a bit like navigation when it comes to navigation there are principles to navigation. 
of using the maps, of, of using the charts, of, of using a compass, of using the information that you're given, of spotting the landmarks that you can see around you. And this wisdom and this experience that we find in Proverbs helps us to become those kind of wise people that can face the situations that happen and that we experience in life. And in Proverbs, we read about these different kind of people and how they act. And the wise person acts one way and the foolish person acts another way. Maybe I could get some help. Luke, could you come and help me? Could you just stand over there? That would be awesome. And Pete, could you come and help me? Could you just stand over here? So, Luke, you, you can be Mr. Foolish. It's the part you were born to play. And Pete, you can be Mr. Wise. And, and we read these Proverbs and we hear about these two people, Mr. Wise and Mr. Foolish. And we hear about Mr. Wise and... Mr. Wise makes the right decision and things go well. Mr. Wise thinks about the results and the consequences and the future of his decisions and things go good. But Mr. Foolish makes decisions which are not wise. Mr. Foolish makes decisions which, which, which take him in another direction. And, and it's easy to read these proverbs and think about two groups of people. Now, if we're quite proud, we might put ourselves in this camp, and say, I am Mr. Wise. I, I, I am the one who tries to do the right thing, and I look down on others. Or, or I see people as us and them. We make the right decision. We try and do the right thing by God. But other people, they're, they're bad. They're evil. They're infidel. The other And we create this division between us doing the right thing and the bad people doing the wrong thing. Or possibly, we might be the kind of people that think, why do I always end up here? Like, like, I don't realize what I've done, but I, I end up in this position, and I'm looking at other people, and things seem to be going well for other people. And like, how come... They always end up over there. I mean, don't you ever think that? I mean, don't you, don't, don't you ever wonder why everything's great for Mr. Wise, but Mr. Foolish is, is always end up in this, this, this sort of place, and we sort of we, we, we put ourselves in, in these camps with, with, either, with, with either pride or with either just such a, a, a disappointment and a, a lack of belief and confidence and motivation. But actually, what we find in Proverbs, in these, these people, the wise man and the foolish man, is not two groups of people, but it's, it's more two people that all of us are at different times. It's two decisions. It's two opportunities. You see, all of us sometimes are Mr. Wise, and all of us sometimes make that right decision. But also, haven't we all, all of us, made some pretty stupid decisions. But, so what we're presented with in Proverbs is not us the ins to read the Proverbs, making us feel good about ourselves. We're the wise people and everything's going to be okay for us. And we look down on and we begin to exclude and we begin to hate and we begin to have an enmity with the other. But what we find in Proverbs is the choices that come before us every day. And Mr. Wise and Mr. Foolish aren't two groups of people. They're more like two paths. 
the more like two courses that you can set on this navigation. And if you make a wise decision, what happens is you walk down the path of the wise. But when you make the foolish decision, you walk down the path of the foolish. And sometimes we think of our, our decisions in terms of moments. Okay, I made a stupid decision today, but that's okay because it doesn't matter. I've got time. I may have made a stupid decision today, but next week, next month, next year, 10 years, I might make a good decision then when I'm ready to make the good decision. But what we don't understand is that these things are paths and that when you walk down a foolish path, you live with foolish consequences and often continue to go down that way. Whereas when you choose a wise path, you begin to reap the benefits of wisdom and walk along that path. You guys can sit down. I want to give them a round of applause. Thank you. Not too long ago, I took my wife, Kelly, on a very romantic date to a library. And at the newly referred Manchester Central Library, which you may have been to, um, we spent some time there walking around. And in the center of the library is the jewel in the crown. There's a beautifully restored original reading room. And in the reading room, there is an inscription all around kind of the covings here in the ceiling, which you won't be able to read from there. And the inscription there is from Proverbs, from a 500-year-old translation of the Bible. And it says this from Proverbs chapter 4 in the King James Version. And it's here on screen. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory. She shall deliver to thee. Pretty amazing thing right at the center of this library, you know vibrant, pulsating, modern city like Manchester. Uh, To make wisdom the principal thing, to to go after it, to that be the thing that you should search for. And I want us to think a bit more this morning about why we should desire wisdom and how in all our getting do we get it, do we get hold of it. And to do that, we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 2. And in Proverbs chapter 2, there's a lecture which is, is written to a young person. It's addressed to my son. It's a child, a young person that is being taught, that is being raised up. And it says this in Proverbs chapter 2. As we think about this question, why should we desire wisdom and how do we get it? Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, Turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand 
what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. What we see here is a process, wisdom's process happening. And there's a two-stage process here in the learning. And the first element of learning is the role of the teacher. We have here, verse 1, if you accept my words and store up my commands. It's the Father's precepts. It's the knowledge that's passed on. And a lot of us struggle with this. A lot of us struggle with being underneath teaching. A lot of us struggle with kind of having somebody else be the one to instruct us. And we, we, we struggle with this first part. But we're encouraged to accept these words. See, let's say this afternoon you want to get to Newcastle. Now, you can try it simply by trial and error. It will take you a while. Or you can listen to the wisdom of those who've gone before you. I mean, imagine if you're trying to get to Newcastle today without a sat-nav, without looking up the route beforehand, without a map, without following any signs. Remember, the signs have been put there by people. Without a compass, the compass was invented and created by somebody else. And if you, if you were maybe just going, you know, by the light of the sun, but you're not allowed to find out anything about the sun from anybody else, for example, where it would rise and where it would set. And you can use the stars, but you're not allowed to have ever looked at any charts about the stars or ever found anything about how they can help you navigate. And you're not allowed to ask anybody else. It's going to take you a long time to get to Newcastle. We're okay with the idea of listening to other people. We're, we're okay. We understand that. We understand the benefit of a map. We understand the benefit of things that, are, that I've done. But sometimes with, with wisdom's process, we don't like the idea when actually we're hearing something that we don't want to hear. We're hearing somebody tell us something that we don't like. But if we want to be wise, we have to change. And if we have to change... We have to think differently, which means that there are going to be things that we hear and we receive that actually butt up against what we currently think and believe and act on. And we're going to have to receive that, accept that, and change if we're going to be on the path towards wisdom. So that's the first step. The second step is the role of the student. You see, you can have the best teacher in the world. But if the student is completely unresponsive, there will not be much learning. And this passage really encourages us to be involved. I mean, listen to these verbs. Verse 1, accept, store up. Verse 2, turning, applying. Verse 3, call out, cry aloud. Verse 4, look for it, search for it. There's a lot of verbs. There's something in the role of the learner that we have to be involved. And sometimes when it comes to wisdom, I mean, we can create this sort of 
over-spiritualized, strange idea where we think, well, I've been told to ask for wisdom, so what will happen now is God will zap me. Because I've asked for wisdom, so I will come in foolish, I'll ask for wisdom, God will zap me, and I'll walk out wise. But it doesn't happen like that. You see, God will answer your prayer, but but he will answer it in a way that will help you get what you really need. You see, we, we can say, well, well, well then uh, why, do we, why do we need God? I mean, if God can't just do something like that, or, or God wouldn't do something like that, then, then surely all this wisdom is just kind of our own development, our own search for knowledge. But the truth is that God answers our prayer in a way that fits who we are as humans. It is part of human experience to learn and grow and develop. Watch a child as they grow. That is what is natural to us. That is what is right for us. And as we grow through knowledge and experience, then we develop into the people we're supposed to be. God answers our prayer, but he answers it in a way that is consistent with how, who he's created us to be. And in a way so which we, that we really own the knowledge that we have, we embody the wisdom that we have, and it changes us and it works with us. God works in a way that is consistent with who he is. And sometimes we just don't like that answer. You see, sometimes the answer, as we hear here, is discipline. We want something but we aren't prepared to pay the price. Every single person in this room knows that the way to be healthier is to eat better and exercise better than we're currently doing. Every single person in this room knows that. How many people in this room are 100% happy with their current level of health and fitness? Very few. So some would be. Some, so, some people are. So, 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 some people are fine with that, but many of us are not. And, and, and that just illustrates that we can know something, we can be aware of something, but that doesn't really make the difference. It, but it, it, it's actually that discipline needs to come in. Discipline needs to be involved. And discipline is a word which is not trendy. Because our culture is not, not interested in discipline. It's interested in what suits me, what I can have now. And discipline works completely against that. But discipline is part of the path to wisdom. See, wisdom's process and the role of the student it involves discipline. It involves a receptivity to teaching. It's a certain attitude. I love this in verse Two, turn your ear to wisdom. Apply your heart. It's an attitude. It's being receptive. It's being, it's being ready for something. You know, if you change your attitude, you change everything. I mean, think about when we come on a Sunday. I mean, you can come with the attitude of, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to get the same coffee I always get. I'm going to sit in the same seat that I always sit in. A few songs are going to go by. Somebody's going to talk, and then I'm going to go and speak to the same people that I always speak to. Then I'm going to go home and eat the same lunch that I always eat. But if you have an attitude where what could happen today, in the worship, I'm just going to fully 
give myself to it because God's worthy of it. And just, I don't know what might happen. I'm just going to be open that God might actually speak to me and he might actually give me a word of encouragement for somebody across that room. It might be somebody that I know. It might be somebody I've never met before. I'm just going to encourage them. That'd be cool. I'm just ready that when the word is open this morning, that I'm going to receive something, that I'm going to get something, that if I think it's a great message or it's not a great message, that doesn't matter. I'm still believing when the scripture is open, God can speak to me and I can receive something from it. Changes everything. And wisdom's process, it, it involves this, this attitude. The thing about the journey to wisdom is this. it's hard to start. It's hard to start yourself being disciplined, isn't it? It's It's hard to start that exercise program that we talked about. But how many people know, once you start, once you get going, once it becomes a habit, you just do it. In fact, it can even become enjoyable. And you look at other people going to the gym and think, why are you smiling? Pain and suffering awaits you. But they've just got to the point where they enjoy it. And it's the same thing with wisdom. Like sometimes you're living in a place where it's foolish, where all your decisions about what works for you now and and, and what I can do just to make myself feel good right in this moment. And wisdom just seems like an unattractive option. But when you start down the path, it just looks better and better and better and better. I just want to encourage you to start to get on the journey. Wisdom's process, it needs an element of desire. I love this in verse 3. If you call out for insight, if you cry aloud, I love this. I love the passion. I love the desire. I love the enthusiasm. You know, when, when you have a craving for something, when you're chasing after something, when you're just so looking forward to something, when you want something, when you're pursuing something, it just consumes you. But many of us are running after, chasing after, looking after things which are just insignificant. Things that don't have eternal value. Things that are actually dehumanizing us. We're becoming like what we worship and often we're chasing after all kinds of things. Even those of us who come and sit in a church service. But actually here there's a craving for the things of God. And I just want to challenge us this morning. I think there's a challenge coming to us that that's where we should sit, where we have a craving for the things of God, where we actually have a passion to run after these things. I think for some of us, we've actually got to stop ourselves. We've got to steal ourselves this morning and just say, wake up, wake up. Get a grip of yourself and say, no, come on, I'm not just going to attend. I'm not just going to be, go through the motions. I'm not just going to say, well, that's okay for those people, but I'll sit back here. No, I'm going to get a grip of myself. I'm going to say, wake up. God, give me a passion for your name. Give me a passion to know you. Give me a desire for wisdom. Don't let me write off those other people. Don't let me look down their nose at them. Don't let me be lazy, but let me actually get hold of this. Let me actually be involved in it. God, I want a hold of you. Has anybody got a craving? This morning they got a desire to know Jesus. A craving, an initiative, an involvement. Verse 4 says, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. To look, to search, to seek. 
Have you ever considered the unbelievable effort that goes into mining? When they know there's something down there, it might be coal, it might be gold, it might be diamonds. There's an unbelievable amount of effort invested in the process. There's a seeking after the treasure that's in the ground. And we have to understand that if we're going to pursue wisdom, that we actually have to invest ourselves in the process. That actually kind of a lazy, sat back, lackadaisical approach to it is not going to yield much fruit. I mean, you can go over to South Africa with your shovel and see if you can find some diamonds. All the best to you. But those who are mining are putting some serious effort into getting that thing out of the ground. And, you know, when it comes to Proverbs, the great thing about Proverbs is Proverbs, a book, it's really accessible for every one of us. Every one of us. If you can read the, the Scripture in a language you can speak, Proverbs is accessible for you. It's not the kind of book that needs a lot of scholarly explanation. All it needs is a bit of life experience. Because you've had a bit of life experience, and you read Proverbs, and you think, wow, like that really makes sense. That re- really challenges that idea. And what I would encourage us to do is we, we, we read through Proverbs, because what we want to do in this series and as we teach is we want to set you up to be able to be on this search for wisdom. You, you can't just come and listen to this series on a Sunday and think, now I'm wise. We did a series on wisdom. But what we're trying to do is set you up onto a journey, onto the path of wisdom, where if you seek for it yourself and you search for it, and what I would recommend to do with this book particularly is to read slowly. Maybe in the morning, memorize a proverb and carry it around all day. I mean, it's quite easy to memorize one verse and just carry it around with you all day. I mean, when you're in the supermarket, I mean, when you're picking the kids up from school, I mean, when you're going to see your friend, I mean, when you get that tea break at work, just, just think about this proverb that you've memorized. Carry it around with you. Get involved in it and say, God, give me wisdom. We need to be involved. You see, we're from a passive generation that thinks I can just look it up on Street View. I took this screenshot of Sydney Harbour, and uh, there's a shot across the Harbour Bridge, and you can look that up at Street View. It looks great, doesn't it? I mean, why bother going? It's all that money, all that effort. But let me tell you, Google's camera stood on that spot, but I've stood on that spot. And being there, a circular key, is a lot different from looking at it in a photograph. And we need to involve ourselves in the process. Even though it does take more effort, we've got to push through. And this process, wisdom has a process. But something happens here. And it says in verse 5, then. And in verses 1 to 4, we're hearing if, if. But after the if, there is a then. There is a consequence. If you will commit to wisdom's process, then you will understand the fear and find the knowledge of God. You see, what we would expect that is if you go on wisdom's search, you will become wise. Seek wisdom and you'll find wisdom. But the truth is greater than that. Go on wisdom's search and you'll find God himself. 
you'll actually find the knowledge of God. You see, all wisdom is God's wisdom. There's not a competition. But if something's wise and it's good and it's productive and it's right, it's God's wisdom. And, you know, sometimes we, 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 we want to attempt this process of, of moving towards wisdom without God. But, you know, verse 7 tells us this. He holds success in store for the upright. He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless. That's interesting, isn't it? Upright, blameless. Actually, how we live, how we walk, how our lives look matter just as much as the knowledge and the stuff that we carry around. In fact, more. In fact, that has to impact that. Uh, you, you, you can be very knowledgeable, but your life doesn't necessarily reflect the quality of that knowledge. It can be all over the place. You see, what God is talking about is that wisdom should be a holistic thing. That it affects every area of our life. That actually we're healthy in every area of our life. Sometimes we look at people and say, oh, they're smart. They're really smart. They're a great argument. But you look at their life. I mean, their life is not a life that you want to imitate. And you've got to consider where something comes from. And you've got to consider that what wisdom looks like is wisdom is a holistic thing. And it's actually not simply a knowledge thing, but it's how that knowledge impacts all of our lives. So there's actually a connection in Proverbs that I want you to see as you read the book between wisdom and knowledge and how we live and our worship to God and our holiness before Him. Look for those connections. The beautiful thing about this is that God holds success in store or He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. You might feel like it's too difficult. Like wisdom is something for those other people, like we said, the, the wise people. But actually, this verse tells us that if you're walking on the right path, I mean, you're trying to live right before God. I mean, you're like genuinely trying to do the right thing before him in the way you live, then God will actually guarantee the success of your journey. That it isn't actually based on how many letters you've got after your name, but it's based on the fact that you're wedding yourself to him. And that God will bring the wisdom into your life that you need. Maybe the bank could come back up. The final thing I want to talk about is wisdom's fruit. You see, there's a process to wisdom. And wisdom's source is who we find there. But there's more fruit that is produced when wisdom works in your life. I mean, if you think about fruit, you think about an orange grove. Those oranges are produced because of what's happened there. There's the qualities of the soil. There's the humidity, there's the temperature, there's the work the people do to look after that land and that crop. And all of those elements combined together, they produce something, they produce fruit. And it's the same when wisdom works in your life. We've heard that it produces, it connects us to God. But it helps us to understand what the right path is to walk on and the reasons for that. Why Wisdom is better than foolishness. It helps us in protecting us and guarding us. In verse 11 that we read says this, 
Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. You see, when we read before in verse 8 that God guards us and God protects us, it's not that because we're wise, God gives us this sort of bonus. He gives us this reward. He gives us this addition of protection on top of it. But it's actually not that. It's that the wisdom that we receive is God's protection. It is him guarding us. It's intrinsic. It's the fact that as we become wise, we stop making those stupid decisions. And God helps us to move forward. And and we receive this protection. We can stay on the right path. Not that we can avoid trouble. Not that we can avoid challenges. But we can stay on the path that is right. Even when those challenges come, they're not going to knock us off course. Even though we may have to sail through the storm, we'll still be sailing at the end of it. And we will get to where we need to be. That's what wisdom does on in your life. Wisdom begins to produce this fruit in what you do. You see, if you're wise and you don't do anything, you're not wise. You're kidding yourself. You see, if you know something, it's often incumbent on you to do something. I mean, if you... I was talking with some friends the other day, and somebody was walking down the street, and they strayed into their front garden and collapsed. And so obviously they did, you know, what I think we would all do. They phoned an ambulance, and somebody said, you know, kind of jokingly trying to, you know, impress their friends, I don't know, but said... Oh, I would have pushed them out onto the road. It's someone else's problem. Not in my garden anymore. But the truth is this, that if we know something, we have a responsibility to do something. If you know somebody's in need, then what are we going to do? And that's the thing with wisdom. What it does in our life, we act and we work and things are produced. But most of all, wisdom is fruit is what it does in us. It's how it changes us. It's how actually those desires and things that we really, really struggled with when we started on this path of wisdom, they actually begin to change. And the things we desire are different. And we actually begin to grow. And actually what is produced is what the book of Proverbs is leading us towards. Character. Character is produced. Something different. The fruit of wisdom. It's character that we would always remain humble and we'd always remain on that search for wisdom. I love what T.S. Eliot says, the poet. In the end, the only wisdom is the wisdom of humility. Humility is endless. You see, when you're humble, you're always on that journey. You're on that journey for wisdom. You always know that whatever you know, it's a lot less than the totality of everything that is known. I mean, it's a lot less. So I'm going to stay humble. And I'm going to stay on that journey. That's what wise people look like. See someone filled with pride? They're not wise. Someone always has opinion. Always right. Always definite. It's not wisdom. Wisdom is humble. Wisdom is ready to learn. It's ready to grow. And maybe we could all stand in this place. Because what we find in Proverbs, we find a different identity. We find that we can actually be different. That Often we make these foolish decisions, but we don't have to. We can change and our character can be formed where we can... 
be wise people and we can set our course. We can navigate through the challenges that we face in life. In Proverbs, we see a vision of what the world could look like. What if people acted this way? What if they lived this way? Couldn't the world be different? In Proverbs, we find God himself. You know, it says about Jesus in Luke chapter 2 that as he grew, he was filled with wisdom. And Jesus became that. He became wisdom himself. When it comes to navigating through life and all the challenges and all the things that we face, Jesus said this in John 14, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And it's actually Jesus who, who, who is the one that ultimately we look to. and We find the way. And I just want to finish with this thought from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Because this is written about Jesus. It's because of him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who's become from us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, redemption. That means the right path that we've been talking about. Jesus has become our wisdom. You know, sometimes this search for wisdom, even though we know God's going to help us and we're going to go forward, it can just seem like such a challenge. It can just seem something like... Can we ever attain it? And staying on the right path, well, it's so difficult. How do we ever do it? How, how can we be in that, that person who's right before God? That he may help us, that he may protect us, that we may be able to know him. Well, we can enjoy something that the first audience of Proverbs could never enjoy. We can have a relationship with God that wasn't possible. But beyond all the wisdom that we can accrue, everything we can learn from the teaching, from the experience, from our reflection on life, beyond all of that, we can receive Jesus himself. And we can have a relationship with God that is close and intimate, that is not just the end of our own efforts, although we should invest everything we have in the process. But it is actually simply because God gave. He gave He gave us his son. And what Jesus did by his life, his death, and his resurrection makes a relationship with him possible. It actually removes the offense. It actually removes all our regrets and all the foolish decisions we've done. We can actually experience forgiveness and reconciliation with God because of Jesus. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.